0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I want to thank everybody once again for listening to our six episode quest for the number two fantasy spot for this coming year. And we'll get back into that again as we kind of round the curve here and head towards opening night. But we're still a little ways off. It's offseason episode 78 here, July the 27th, coming up on 80 offseason episodes and coming up on August here. Now very close to us, thank goodness. Thank goodness! Because once you hit August, then you can start to feel the basketball. Yahoo's going to open their leagues in the next, I don't know, whatever it is, two to three weeks. You can start joining them up, we'll have our listener leagues, all that good stuff, that's when you know people start to really tune back in. And yet, here we are, having our best non-run-up month in an off-season ever. And it's not even close again. We're already almost 10% past last month. With today, I know there's extra day in July, so I get it. That's cheating a little bit. But Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we still have five almost full days left this month. And we're already past June, which was already our biggest offseason month. I'm excluding September, by the way, because September, October, that's not even really offseason anymore. Even last August, which had everything mashed together in it, free agency, summer league, short offseason, we're already past that. I wasn't even counting that in most of the offseason months because that was a weird one. You guys are amazing. Thank you for continuing to listen to the podcast throughout this offseason. I am floored. I'm also Dan Vesperis. That's my name. That's who I am. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Sportsethos.com, the website. Please do go check that out because as of I thought earlier today, but uh, now I'm not 100% positive on it. Am I screwing this up? Football! Football is here, ladies and gentlemen. We have football at Sports Ethos. Premium football content at Sports Ethos. This is an exciting day. And guess what? It's in the Fantasy Pass. It's in the Fantasy Pass. Oh, oh, oh. It won't be forever. Just something to keep in mind. But it is now. For this season, the Fantasy Pass gets you both football and basketball. I think there's an automated email going out about it here in the next, like, hour or something. So if you're on any of our email lists, you'll get that. NFL, top 150, sleepers, all that good stuff. The things you've come to love about our NBA coverage. We have on the NFL side as well. And if you like our NBA coverage and you are into NFL, this is the perfect way to get it. Because, again, they're lumped together into one fantasy pass this year. Same price as always. There was no price hike with the addition of NFL. Same. Same. So if you're going to get our NBA package and you play NFL, you might as well just get it now get it a couple weeks earlier than you normally would that's the only difference it's probably the you know the equivalent of like one extra month over what you would normally have gotten and then you get two sports so go get a fantasy pass today enjoy the delightful fruits of our labor here expanding at sports ethos and uh let it rip Shout out to our baseball and our football teams for their continued hard work as well. By the way, we are also recruiting, I mentioned that before, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, if you'd like to be involved with what we're doing here at Sports Ethos. Again, now we are in three major sports. So bug me on that front. So I hemmed and I hawed a little bit, a lot of bit, on what to do with a few shows here between when we start buckets, and the end of kind of everything that I had planned for the offseason. Look, I'll let you guys behind the curtain. I don't have the whole offseason mapped out. In my mind, I have sort of like chunks of time that I think certain things are going to take up. And then if something takes up a different amount of shows, it can create a problem. And this season, free agency took up a much smaller number of shows than I'm used to. There just weren't that many big names either staying or going. This was a low free agency tide kind of year. I mean, you can go back to the beginning of this month when free agency started, which I think was like June 30th. You had a couple of trades that were pretty big getting into it. You had Gobert. You had DeJounte Murray. Jalen Brunson changed teams. Malcolm Brogdon got traded. But we only ended up spending, like, three shows on stuff around free agency, which is normally a time I think we're going to end up... Like, I I plot out, like, one to two weeks on that. Which, of course, then left us about a week short on content. (laughs) And I've been like, all right, well, what the hell are we going to do with all this stuff? Uh, I feel pretty good about this whole, like, battle for number two thing. Maybe two weeks short on content. Uh, But we're still a few shows short short so yes i did the unthinkable and i actually hate it but i did it anyway uh and that is mailbag time i said you know what it's time for me instead of trying to figure out myself what everybody's actually looking at because sometimes i'm looking at different things than you guys i'm just gonna put it out there into the ether what are you guys looking at A lot of really good questions came in from the mailbag tweet I sent out yesterday. However, this is kind of mean, uh, again, uh, full disclosure here, I actually had kind of a mailbag-type question that came in before I ever put the request out, and I kind of needed an excuse to get into it. And it's quite conceivable that this particular mailbag question takes up the entirety of today's show. Because, first of all, it's a big question. And second of all, it it does require a lot of thought. So the question came... The call... This is like the horror movie. The question came from inside the building. Can I do that voice? Not really. The call is coming from inside the building. You guys remember... I mean, everybody remembers Don LaFontaine, the movie guy voice. But do you guys remember Pablo Francisco, the stand-up comic that did the whole movie guy voice routine... Little tortilla boy. So, in this case, the question was coming from inside the ethos. Uh, It's from our own Mike Fiddle, the host of the Advantage podcast, who's a Mike, of course, a massive, massive better sports better, also plays quite a bit of fantasy sports as well. And he threw this notion out there. Basically, how do we handicap players coming off of large injuries? What's the typical expectation? What normally happens, and then what happens for this cross section? I think you put like twelve, like ten or twelve players on the list. Are players coming off of injury typically overrated or underrated? Meaning, is their ADP generally a little bit too high or too low? Meaning, too early or too late? I think we need to use early and late with ADP because some people hear high and they think, oh, that's going up towards the front of the board, but that's actually a lower number. Anyway. What are the reasonable expectations for guys who didn't play at all last season and are expected to be ready for opening day this year? And then what about the guys who did play a bit last year, or a lot of it, some small to medium amount, and are also expected to be healthy to start this season, but maybe missed a ton of time late last year or something to that effect. And the names that came up on this list were Ben Simmons, who, you know, he hasn't played in forever, Kawhi Leonard, The Nuggets, everybody besides Jokic, Bradley Beal, who played the first almost half of last year and then shut her down, Dame Lillard, who played a little less than that and then shut her down, Zion, who, you know, fat jokes aside, like, you guys might remember, by the way, that I I did send out the tweet saying that I thought it was really... Like we were, that we, uh, it's not me on this one. It actually wasn't me for once. But NBA media was way overstepping by making the whole Zion thing about his weight. Kind of the same way we're making the whole Ben Simmons thing about his back. There's, there's a mental aspect to some of this as well. Other names, uh, Clay Thompson, who did come back for the second half of last year, but, you know, what direction is he going to go? Anthony Davis, who's wildly injury prone, has been throughout most of his career. The season... There were a couple where teams really needed him and they felt like they had a shot. He tended to play through more stuff. And that I think, again, there's a little bit of a mental element there. Brooke Lopez, who missed almost all of last year with a back injury, but did come back late. Chris Middleton, who had surgery even after missing time in the playoffs. Clint Capella, who always seems to get hurt around the playoffs Jared Allen missed a bunch of time in the middle of last year. Time Lord missed a bunch of time and then was really dinged up in the playoffs. So what do we do with a lot of these guys? Now, unfortunately, the answer to this question is it's a case-by-case answer. Especially for the guys who were kind of in and out of lineups last year. So uh, someone like a Clay who came back and played half a season uh, Middleton, whose injury didn't happen during the fantasy season. Same with Time Lord, same with Capella. I think it's a lot easier to write that stuff off. It's easy to forget that those guys, and not, not so much Clay, uh, because again, he played the second half of last year, but uh, that whole list that I just rattled off, guys who mostly played when they were expected to play during the fantasy season... You can generally write off the injury stuff when you're calculating their ADP and go more based on what numbers they produced when they were at mostly full strength last year. I say mostly because of Clay and, you know, he had all the rest days and trying to get his legs back underneath him and all that stuff. But, like, the Time Lord, who, yeah, he missed 21 games last year and he's always a little bit dinged up, or Middleton... Who missed sixteen games last year in the finals hangover stuff. Those guys the in the big injury, and for Time Lord, it's the nagging knee thing for the playoffs. For Middleton, uh missed their entire playoffs and then had additional surgery after that. I think it was his wrist, if I'm remembering, hand, something we've done hashtag thumb stuff before in the past with the uh, with Bogman. Um that stuff I think people are just going to forget about. So, like, Middleton's probably going to go about where he finished last year, which was number 41, and that's fine, provided we know he can start the season on time. Says he's expected to return right around the start of the season, which, I mean, you know, that might be a reason to avoid him as we get closer and learn more, but from an ADP standpoint, if you did draft right now, I don't think anybody would factor in the injury that caused him to miss the playoffs. Yes, folks might factor in the wrist thing, because he's recovering from surgery, But if we hear that he's going to be ready by opening day, I think people are probably going to take him about where he finished last year. So that's Middleton. And, you know, same kind of story with the Time Lord. Not so much where necessarily where he finished last year because he was number 13 on a per-game basis. And low turnover guys are always going to have a lower ADP because people play 8-cat leagues. He won't go quite that high, but he'll go as if last year was not injury-plagued, as if the playoff run was an injury-plagued. Which, for Time Lord, is probably going to be, if I had to guess right now, and this is all just sort of throwing numbers up in the air, he'll probably go as as a late second, early third. Like, he'll be one of those centers that goes in that group with where formerly, the artist formerly known as Utah Jazz Rudy Gobert, used to go, and Sabonis went there last year, and Vooch went a little bit later than that, and Bam went in there maybe a little earlier than those other guys. That chunk... I don't think Time Lord goes near the turn, which is where he finished, but I don't think it's because of the injury. I feel pretty strongly that it's just because he's a big man with low turnovers and high field goal percent who doesn't score very much. And so people look at that in the same vein, the way they look at a guy like Maz Turner and say, look, if I'm getting all my stuff here from one or two categories, I don't feel the need to go all that high. It's not because of the injury. That's the note there. Same story with Clint Capella. If he goes later, it's because he just wasn't as good per game last year. The Hawks are probably going to continue to give Anyuko Kongwu little bits more and more as the years go on, although it's notable, it is notable that they are much, much better defensively when Clint Capella's on the floor. So he's not about to just lose his job outright, but he is, there's an opportunity for him to kind of throw it into cruise control in the regular season and try to get healthy for the playoffs work or doesn't work, whatever it might be. Um, And, you know, with Capella, he was in the 60s last year per game. He ended up actually more healthy in the regular season than usual last season at 27 and a half minutes per game, and maybe that lower total was part of it. But if he goes in the 60s, it's because his per game was in the 60s. It's not because of an injury thing. With Clay, I honestly have no idea because he came back very slowly. There were stretches where he was doing more. He'll probably fall more into the camp of almost kind of treating him like he's coming back from injury this year, so throw him in with some of those other guys, just because his actual production when coming back was really helter-skelter. He ended up at number 61, by the way, per game, so things did level off relatively well. 20 points, 3.5 threes, 4 boards, 3 assists, but the field goal percent was down, steals were down, uh... And that's some stuff that maybe that does come back as his legs get all the way underneath him. Or maybe it just never quite does because he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's aged. Not super old, but not super young. So yeah, maybe he does go back in that range and then we make a call on it based on other factors. The other names on this list, and they're probably the, the ones that you can lump together a little bit better, Uh, well, let's, let's jump over that for a minute. Jared Allen, he had a great season, missed time in the middle of the year, and then did come back later, played in 56 out of 82 games, was on his way to, I mean, it still ended up being a career year, but was on his way to an unbelievable season before injury kind of derailed it a little bit. Uh, I have no reason to believe that, that, to think that folks demote him because of that injury i think if there's any demotion it'll be kind of the same reason you see other big men get demoted a little bit and that's because his value is tied up in basically two two and a half categories field goal percent rebounds sort of blocks but not really he's a typical big man big man stat set he'll go where he goes Anthony Davis is going to be, uh, again, your big upside play because we all, that's just injury prone. That's sort of a different beast than guy coming back from big injury. And then Brooke Lopez, who you guys know is one of my favorite old man squad kind of guys, he actually looked pretty good when he came back, was even rebounding a tiny bit more than usual. Uh, he'll go relatively late just because he's an older guy and his role is um, shoot 50%. Don't take a ton of shots. Help space the floor for Giannis at times on offense. Guard the rim and box out. But from a fantasy perspective, in nine cat, that actually makes him a pretty useful dude because despite his very low minute count coming back from injury, he was number one oh nine per game last year. He showed all the signs of the same old Brook Lopez. You get him up to. He's not going to play. He's not going to play thirty minutes a game. But you get him from twenty three up to twenty six. I think you could see him at twenty six then he's easily he's he's easy inside the top 90 at that point on his current kind of going rate of basketball but again his demotion is not because he missed all of last season he was going late even last year folks didn't know his back was going to give out he goes late just because he's a boring fantasy player the kind of guy we tend to like on this show now the guys that did miss basically had season ending injuries mid season or just didn't play at all that was that front list Ben Simmons, Kawhi Leonard, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Bradley Beal, Dame Lillard, and Zion. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. These are guys you can actually lump a little bit. Because they basically have the same story with small caveats. Like with Ben Simmons. I mean, do we think he's ever going to play basketball again? I honestly don't know. I get the feeling that a lot people are like, oh, he's faking the depression stuff. I actually think it's the opposite. I think he might be faking the back stuff. And maybe faking is not the right word, so please don't jump down my throats for that. I think that the depression thing, the mental angle, is creating the other stuff. He's not mentally ready to play, and it's creating back pain, or whatever else is going on with Ben, or maybe there's a little bit of back pain, and then the mental side is is exploding that, so there's very much something going on between the ears on him, which by the way, that's okay, but we gotta get it solved before I believe he's ever gonna play again, everybody's like, oh, well, he doesn't have a desire to play, I, I don't think that we can really know these things about his brain, about his game, but From a fantasy standpoint, now we have to like flip the switch from uh, empathy to cutthroat. From a fantasy standpoint, I don't know how you can possibly touch Ben Simmons until you actually see him do something competitive on a basketball court. Like, he's got to be on their damn uh, training camp team going. I need to see him not miss a damn day. Oh, Ben Simmons needed a mental day. No, I better not see it. You've had plenty of those. That's the cutthroat side. I'm not going to trust it. We still don't know who his teammates are going to be. But as far as Ben Simmons go, I mean, I I just I can't touch him with an 80 foot pole until I see him actually play. And you could almost say the same thing about Zion. Although the Pels did just send him to or uh, sign him to a max extension. I guess it's a rookie max. Is that the rookie max on it? Doesn't matter. You guys can parse my 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 diction. My word choice here, as much as you want. I get the feeling that there's more optimism on the Zion front than there is on the Ben Simmons front, but maybe I'm off base, maybe they both do, maybe they both don't play. If if I was a betting man, and I am, I would bet more on Zion playing than Ben Simmons to start the year, but it's possible they both do or they both don't. I mean, everything's a percentage game at this point. Zion's another guy who generally gets overdrafted just because he scores a ton. And there's this hope that everything else is going to kind of work itself out. And Simmons, to some degree, is kind of a similar story. Not because he scores a ton, but because both of these guys suffer from puntitis. They're punt free throw guys at the end of the day. So they're always going to have an earlier ADP than a nine-cat league should have them. Meaning, and now with Zion, it's it's a little bit goofy. Well, honestly, with both, frankly. So if you go back a year to when these guys actually played a little bit, uh, Zion was number 65, and he actually was a bigger positive influence on field goal percent than he was a negative on on free throw, which is amazing because he was a huge negative on free throw percent. But he tends to get drafted early because he scores a ton. With Simmons, who was uh, was in the 80s that year? trying to remember where Ben Simmons ended up that last season. Ah, he was actually at 100. He was worse than that. He's a much larger free throw negative than he was field goal positive. So he's someone that goes earlier, not because of a big point total, but because in points leagues, he tends to get bounced up the board due to the elimination of his high turnovers and the elimination of his massive free throw percent drag. And even if those guys see an ADP dip, even if there's an ebb on how high they or how early I should say they go in drafts because they didn't play at all last year, that will be mitigated by the fact that they will go earlier in eight cat, especially for Simmons and points leagues kind of washes each other out, and a best-case scenario for those dudes is probably ending up right near where they should be. The other guys on that list who don't have a glaring percentage issue, meaning 9-cat, 8-cat, they're not all that far apart from one another. Kawhi, you know, medium turnovers because he's a high-usage dude, good at both percentages, so he's not going to go earlier in points leagues. Jamal Murray... You know, slight negative in field goal percent, but very good in free throw. Turnovers are fine. Michael Porter Jr., turnovers will be a little bit lower. Probably good at both percentages if he's healthy. Beal and Lillard, turnovers will be high. Field goal, negative. Free throw, positive. Yeah, they score a lot, but we're talking about, like, superstar level players. At least three of those five names I listed off. So those guys are not going to have their ADP shifted by what type of league you're in. And as we've talked about a million times before, for Yahoo, when they release their ADP data, that's all their leagues combined, 9, 8, and points. And exotic leagues, but we don't actually care about those, because they're such a small percentage, they don't really weigh on the actual number. But if we say that like 40% of leagues are 9-cat, 40% are 8-cat, and 20% are points leagues, 20% that's enough to move an ADP quite a bit. And the 40% in 8-cat, if someone has a particularly high turnover number like a James Harden or a Trey Young, that's obviously a lot. So that mushed ADP data, which does have a big impact on Simmons, on Zion, some of the other names as we start to do buckets, and when we get ADP data, we'll start to look at that. It won't be the reason that a guy like Kawhi or Jamal... Murray or MPJ or Beal or Lillard, that those guys go in kind of a, whatever you call it, a weird place. If they go early, it's not going to be because of league discrepancies. If they go early, it's going to be because of some other factor. But I would bet most of what I own on this earth, in this life, that overall, among those five names, they will go later than expected. And that's typically the case. No surprise there. For guys coming off of a massive injury. Season ender. Full season missed. Kawhi didn't play at all last year. Jamal Murray. Same story. MPJ played what? Two weeks. Three weeks before he sat it out the rest of the way. Beal and Lillard. They started the year. And looked bad by the way. So that, it's not like they were playing great. It's not like Lillard was on his way to his best fantasy season ever and then got hurt. Same story for Beal. They were actually way below their typical production. Dame, because he was dealing with the abdominal injury. Beal, I believe, because he was dealing with a funky butt new offense in Washington, but maybe there was some other stuff going on. Maybe the injury had something to do with it. And so everything that people remember about those five players is sour. Sour. It's a sour flavor. What were those candies called? Not Sour Patch Kids. The Sour Ball. What were the Sour Balls? Ah, son of a gun. I can't remember. So it's pretty easy to do this particular type of handicap when the only thing that people remember... People don't remember two years ago, so just wipe that out of your memory... The only thing or things that fantasy players remember, Kawhi, load management, and a whole season off. Does that sound like good stuff to you dudes? Beal was terrible, shut it down. Lillard was not good, shut it down. Jamal Murray missed the whole season. Although if you go back two years, he was actually having the best season of his career, but I don't think people remember that. Michael Porter Jr. drafted early this last season, Ruined people's fantasy teams by trying to play through a back injury they didn't tell anybody about and then shut it down for the year. All negative memories, with the exception of maybe people were like, oh, yeah, I remember when Jamal Murray was some incredible in the bubble playoffs? That's two years ago now. Almost to the day, huh? Yeesh, what a strange couple years it's been. So then you have to get a little deeper into the handicap. And without knowing exactly where these guys are going to go, it's, it's hard to say. But it's also a reason why, particularly with your first round pick, but generally we like to kind of look at like the first three rounds, going safe has its merits. What if you go the Kawhi route? And listen, we, we still might. What if you go the Kawhi route? Because I'd be floored if he gets drafted in the first round after missing a whole year off and with the expectation that he's going to play probably about 65 games at the very most this coming year. You're probably looking at more like 62. That dude's not going to get drafted in the first round, but what if he gets drafted in the second round? I mean, think about it. Kawhi Lender was number six per game two years ago. He only played 52 out of 72 regular season games. Got hurt was in the playoffs, I believe. He was terrific. And missing 20 games at number six that year, Kawhi was still number nine by totals. Because missing 20 games right now is only like five more than a lot of the players we're talking about. All right, so maybe he misses more than 20 games. But it's pretty easy to see a world where... uh. You know, if Steph is kind of coasting and he's hanging around near the edge of the top five, maybe he drops out a little bit. Kawhi Leonard has a path to be like the number two, three, four per game fantasy player this year. So even if he misses 22, 23 games, he might still end up a first rounder, which is an easier pill to swallow in Roto. I get it. But if that's a guy who's getting drafted at 18 to 24, you could see a reason to take a chance on it. And you can make cases for a lot of these guys in that same vein. Like, do we trust Michael Porter Jr. to be the top 25-ish guy that he was after the All-Star break two seasons back? Well, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic both healthy. That's maybe a little hard to see, but top 36? Do we think Porter gets drafted by the end of the third round this year? I doubt it. Jamal Murray, two seasons back. He was having a great year. I think he was, what, in the 40s? Sorry. Mid-30s. It was better even than I remembered. Had to look that one up. Steals were higher than I expected. And 47 change percent from the field, so he actually eliminated all of that negative. But what's he going to be when he comes back? Is he going to be a top 36 guy again? Third rounder? That's a leap to expect. There's going to be off days blended in there, but how far does he go? He won't be drafted at 30. No way. 40? Maybe. 50 he probably gets drafted by 50 don't you think 60 at the absolute latest but then you're starting to think all right well i guess there's a little bit of upside here but that's the kind of spot where you want to have safer guys in you know two three of your first four picks so that you could maybe take a chance on a jamal murray at pick 55 and say well what if he's number 32 and just misses a bunch of ball games Beal and Lillard, I I really don't know, actually. I think Dame probably ends up sliding right back into the first round somewhere. I mean, for so many years, he's been the number eight fantasy player per game. He's always been super durable until this season. I feel like fantasy players are likely to forgive him for this year, especially because the Blazers have made a bunch of moves to show that they still want to compete, which means, barring, like, cataclysmic injuries to everybody around him, they're going to be gunning for the playoffs. And they're not going to have an easy path there either. And they'd like to stay out of the play in tournaments. So you probably see Dame play as many games as his body will allow. I don't think probably not that many rest days for him. Four, maybe? Scheduled ones? It's not going to be every back-to-back. Almost no way, because they can't afford it. Unless they get off to just this world-beater of a start and open the season like 20-8. and And they're like, all right, I guess we can afford to lose a few games on purpose down the stretch. Just get Dame ready. But he's probably going to be shooting for 70 games played this year. Maybe even shooting for more. So I don't think he gets demoted all that far for what we saw last year. Beal probably does because he looked terrible and we couldn't just blame it on an abdominal injury. He looked terrible in an offense that wasn't allowing him to take a bazillion shots like he had the previous few years. He took 19 shots a game, which still sounds like a lot, but he was up and over 20 for a bit. He only averaged 23 points per game this last year because his field goal percent was lower. Only 1.63s, under one steal per game, 0.4 blocks, and 3.4 blistering turnovers. There was a lot to hate about Beal, but at the same time, I have no idea where he's going to get drafted this year. Like, he might still go in the second round if people hope he just sort of goes back to what he was doing prior to this last season. That would almost be too early for me. Maybe he goes in the third. Could you imagine Beal going later than that? I doubt it. There's a roll of the dice there that he goes back to being like number 13, 14. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't want to say he has help, but, you know, Porzingis is there, and Kuzma wants to take shots, and Hachimura wants to take shots, and they traded for Monte Morris, and he's going to want to take some shots there just sort of isn't really the impetus for Beal to take 21, 22 shots a game like he was for a couple of years. It doesn't need to happen anymore. Take the usage away. He's a guy that relies heavily on that. We talked about that on the Trey Young front yesterday. If you take away usage for some of these guys that don't really have the safety net categories, not high in steals or blocks or rebounds or threes, take away points, assists, They fall quick for Beal points going away. I mean, that that was really the big key there. And then field goal percent coming back down, I guess that could come back up. It's just hard to see him getting into that top 18 again. He will go later than he had been going, but I don't know if it's even late enough. That said, for most of these guys coming off a full season of injury, the fact that they do typically go later because of it is a reason to look at him. More so in a games cap format. Like, you can't... I I don't know how you could take Kawhi in a head-to-head league. Makes you outstanding for the games he plays. And yes, totals do tell the story, and you know maybe he plays the games in your fantasy playoffs, and you get really lucky there. But if you look at the Clippers' schedule and see whether or not they have a bunch of back-to-backs, the final, like what, not the very last week of the season, but the three weeks prior, you can grade out how many games you're going to get out of Kawhi. Is it going to be better or worse? Let's say they have like three, four, four, but there are two back-to-backs in there. He's not playing 11 games, he's playing 9. Is 9 of Kawhi better or worse than someone else you were considering in the second round that maybe was going to get 12 games there? The 12-er is probably better. Now, if the other player you were looking at is only going to get 10 games over those three weeks, yeah, maybe you go the Kawhi route, because 10 of, like, the number 5 guy in in the league is probably better, or 9 of the number 5 guy is probably better than 10 of the number 20 guy, but it ain't going to be, I mean, it would be close, so I don't know how you take those types of guys in head-to-head leagues, the ones where you already know rest days are coming. Murray's going to get rest days. Porter might. Kawhi will for sure. Beal and Lillard are question marks. Zion will. Simmons probably will if he plays. Head-to-head and Roto games cap. It, it. You know When you get into these injured players like this, that really does separate the leagues in structure a lot. A lot, a lot. But that was fun. Good question from Mike. Really, really good topic. I'm glad we got to go over that here. And still, you know, I can can continue to call these mailbag shows, but like some of you guys hit me with questions that are full episode worthy. Do not draft list questions. Teams. Do you look at teams? How do you deal with second year players? Like there's, questions that came in that are full damn show topics so thank you guys for doing the legwork as I'm over here like what the hell show topic we have left well there you go this was fantasy NBA today offseason show 78 good to be done with old 78 79 80 we'll finish things up got plenty more of these really good questions to answer that are again turning into full shows I'm Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter hit me up If you want to come work with us here at Sports Ethos, and more importantly, go get a Fantasy Pass now. Get the football stuff now, and then get the basketball stuff in it as soon as it drops. You'll be the first to see it. It's only $5.99 a month. A mere fraction of what you're paying for one of your eight TV streaming services. You can cancel Paramount+. Plus. It's okay. I'll allow it. Or do what I did. I canceled Apple+. Plus. Uh, in between seasons, basically, of Ted Lasso. I'll turn that joint back on, but I didn't need to pay the last seven or eight months. You can let those shows run. A lot of them come out once a week. You don't, you know, I know that's you're really digging in at that point, but you could let them all come out. Subscribe for one month on those streaming services and watch the whole thing. Just binge it and turn it off. I'll tell you what. Here, do this for me. If you have a streaming TV service that's putting out a show you like once a week for 10 weeks in a row, It's two and a half months. Just cancel it for one of those two and a half months. Wait for four episodes to drop, and then turn it back on the next month. There. You saved your six bucks or ten bucks or whatever that service costs you, and you can get a fantasy pass. You will have no additional cost if you just do that one little step with your old pal Dan. Or, as I've said before, just, you know, instead of getting yourself a coffee at a Starbucks, just make two at home a month forever. Are you going to eat lunch out today? Back a sandwich. That's it. That's what the Fantasy Pass runs you. Less than a lunch. Honestly, lunches now are like 12 13 bucks. 13 You can get two months for that. Do that once a month. You get two months of Fantasy Pass. Look, I don't need to talk you guys through it. You're all adults. But all I will say is go get it. Please go get it. It means the world to us. It's how we continue to do what we're doing here at Sports Ethos. It's how we continue to expand and then recruit and give more of you folks opportunities to... I hope. Dive in. Make yourself a name in the fantasy industry. It's fun, man. It's a grind, but it's fun. All right. I'll talk to you on the internet, I'm sure. I'm Dan Vesperus. Still, see you later.